We come here every Sunday to worship God. Did you know that? That news? <laughs> we come here every Sunday to focus upon the person of Jesus Christ. That's really what it's about. And that's as we go through Luke, I say this so often, but in this Gospel, we're looking at the life of Jesus every week as we go through it. The things that He did, the very personhood, who He is. He is Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. Of course, there are a lot of names, and even demons call Him holy names. It's an amazing thing. And of course, that's what we're going to be running into today. Starting in chapter 4, verse 31, which is where our text will start today, through chapter 5. So the rest of chapter 4 and through chapter 5 now is kind of a different section. It's going to be dealing with um, uh, His works, uh, miracles that we will see. It's really about the power of Jesus. Uh, the power of Christ is seen in chapter 4 and 5. Of course, you see it always, all the way through, but this particular section definitely stresses that. And of course, that is an attribute of God, isn't it? The very power of God. I mean, He is power, isn't He? He is our dynamite. Uh, so, up until this point, we've really been discussing the person of Jesus Christ very person of uh, who He is. And, and of course, He was announced by the angel, if you remember. Uh, of course, John the Baptist, His forerunner, was announced in, uh, in this Gospel. And it was shown that He was going to be born of a virgin, which He was, named Mary, and no earthly father that was, as far as the flesh is concerned. Um, he was in the line of David, in the line of Abraham. He was the true Messiah. All of those things about Him, uh, of course, are true. And John the Baptist, we know, called Him the Lamb of God, which is dealing with the sacrifice of who He is. He was affirmed by the Father that He was His beloved Son, if you remember that. And of course, there was a conflict in the wilderness that He had with Satan Himself. And of course, He won that battle. He was victorious there in the wilderness. He has been affirmed as the Messiah, hasn't He? And going all the way into uh, where we were at last week, uh, Nazareth, uh, the synagogue there, we saw the person of Christ. And of course, He was the one who is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He was going to preach the gospel to the poor, uh, the destitute. That's everybody, really. The blind. Uh, all the ones who need Him. They have uh, darkness. They need the light. The thing is, the people in Nazareth thought, this is amazing. They were in awe of the way He was speaking. And then they found out what He was really talking about. And He was talking about that they were the poor, they were the blind, they needed Christ, they needed a Savior. And it got a little bit too deep for Him whenever He mentioned to them that He went to Gentiles and not Jews whenever they knew they were in need. And He actually saved them. Uh, Whether it be from leprosy, whether it be from hunger, 
thirst. They knew that they needed someone to help them. And so that's what God looks for, the ones who recognize their need. Do you guys recognize your need for Jesus? Do you recognize your need every moment? So we're going to look at His power today. We need His power, don't we? He had power over the teachings of the day, the teachers. He had power over the demons, which we will look at here in this text today. He had power over disease, which we will see later. He had power over nature. Power over the weather. His power over that. Keep praying that His power would take this winter away and bring on spring. Well, He's going to do what He's going to do, isn't He? But He has power over everything and everybody. That is amazing. That's the central point of this section that we are in. Power over all. So that's the theme. The theme for the day. He does not fear Satan. He does not fear the demons. He does not fear Russia or Syria or the United States or anybody. He fears no one. Of course, He's God. He's the God uh, uh, that created He defeated Satan, defeated him in the wilderness, we know. That's already been shown in Luke. We know ultimately he defeats him at the cross. He defeats him all the way through these Gospels and he continues to defeat him today. He beats every side of the devil constantly. It's an ongoing battle. Uh, At that time when he came on the scene... Demonic possession seemed to be prevalent. It was dominant. And it was amazing how many people were possessed by Satan, by demons. And he came from the heavens where he lived and came to this earth, this dominion of darkness, where Satan seems to rule and reign. And we live here if Satan is ruling and reigning, we still have nothing to fear. Here to tell you that today, you already know it. Got to remind us though, we have nothing to fear. No matter what you hear on the news and what all's going on, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazier than ever. You have nothing to fear. In fact, the demons believe in Jesus and they shudder. They're in fear because Jesus is alive and well. They fear Him. But you know what? Jesus lives in us. Do you know they have every reason to fear us? It's not that we in ourselves can take on these mighty beings, these mighty creatures of God. But with Christ living in us, they cannot possess us. They cannot have victory over us. Matter of fact, they should fear us because of who Christ is and who lives in us. And by the way, our eternity is settled. It is secure. The demons know that their future is not bright. It is the lake of fire. It is the pit. And that's where they're going. You know what? They know that. They just don't know when. And God has every reason to keep it from them. But when that time comes, and it's an inevitable, 
Did you know they, they really have a constant terror about them because of that? That knowledge doesn't go away. And we, who are Christians, have everything to look forward to. It's only going to get better. Isn't that good to know? That the demons believe and they quake. They shake. They tremble. They shudder. (laughs) Isn't that great? It's great to know. That's what we're going to see today. That's what we're going to look at. Let's uh, let's take up our Bibles. Let's let God speak to us again today. We go on to chapter 4, starting at verse 31. This is not our word. This is not my word. It's not any other great teacher's word. It's God's word. This is tremendous. I'm glad He gave us this story. He came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. He was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were amazed at His teaching, for His message was with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Let us alone! What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God! But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet. Come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, He came out of him without doing him any harm. And amazement came upon all of them. And they began talking with one another saying, What is this message? For with authority and power, He commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And the report about Him was spreading into every locality in the surrounding district. Let's pray. Father, what... A tremendous, true story this is. This is truth. This is Jesus Christ, Your Son, who came to this earth to destroy the enemy, to destroy sin. Thank You, Lord, for this, because it gives us great courage. Encourage us today. Let this not just be something that goes into our brain or something where we say, I've heard this story before. I need to just think about something else. Lord, may it sink into our hearts how great a God You are. And there is bright, shining glory that's always there. And it takes away all our fears. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So, we go on to chapter 4, verse 31. And there are reasons why Satan and the demons are in terror. They're in absolute terror. They know their future. Number one, it's because of the preaching of the Word of God. Number two, because of the purpose of God. What His purpose is. They're in terror because of the preaching, because of the purpose of God, They're in terror because of Jesus. The Jesus of Nazareth. They sure were in terror there when He showed up at the synagogue and they were there. Number four, they are in sheer terror because of the power of God. So that's what we're going to look at today. 
they have a lot to be fearful of. There's no reason for us to ever fear Satan, these devils, demons. Speaking of power, Christ is a powerful preacher. There's none who's ever lived before or after that could preach with the power that He had. Oh, if we had a little bit more power in our preaching. But you know what? We do have the Holy Spirit with us and the power of His Word can jump off this page right into our lives. Right? So, just with my just my little voice and my little puny brain, we pray that this mighty, powerful Word and the authority of it there will just make a difference in our lives. Right? Okay. Because it's not going to come from me, but it sure can come in from the power of God's Spirit as we go through this. Capernaum. He came down to Capernaum. Where's he been? Well, he's been in Nazareth. That's his hometown. He wasn't there very long at all. Matter of fact, they didn't believe in him, and so he didn't do miracles there. Luke doesn't even record anything. He he could do very little there, and he, and he left his hometown. Goes to Capernaum. Capernaum is a very very important little city. It's a major agricultural place. It's a major fishing center of Galilee. It's kind of up north up there in Israel. And uh, it's very important. There's a synagogue there. It's the headquarters of Jesus. Did you know that? That's really where His office is throughout His ministry. Although He doesn't spend most of His time there. But every time they would go back, it would be in that area. It's a great fishing place. So Andrew, Peter, James, John, they they all knew this area real well. It's their stomping grounds. Uh, what does he do on the Sabbath? What the, what has he always done for all of his life for his thirty years? He's gone to the synagogue on the Sabbath. You go to the place of God on worship day, don't you? That is needful for us. What would it be like if we didn't have a place to go and worship? What would it be like if we didn't? There wasn't such a thing as church meeting. It would be sad, wouldn't it? How would we ever? be able to exercise what God has given? How would we ever be able to learn and learn the right things? So, we thank the Lord for the church. Thank the Lord for a place to meet, don't we? And you know what? It's a sin if we are not in His synagogue. (laughs) That's a meeting place. It's a gathering place. It, It means He's there. We're meeting with Him. We're meeting with the King of Kings along with His people. It's a little bit of a glimpse. A little bit of a glimpse of what it's going to be like in eternity. It's an important thing. So that's what he does. That's what he always did. He think he actually went to the synagogue and sat under those that kind of teaching where he was the one that wrote and who is what they are reading and teaching. So now we find him preaching and teaching, doing miracles. He demonstrates to the people that he really is who he is. The hometown people hated who he really was. They liked him at first. Everybody likes Jesus at first because he's going to just blow away Rome and they'll have their kingdom. It's not what 
a lot of people think that he is. He's holy God. Now he goes to Capernaum. By the way, he's sovereign, isn't he? As we saw last week, he's sovereign in his grace and mercy. There's a completely different response here in Capernaum. In his hometown, you think they would accept him? They don't. He goes to Capernaum. He does a lot of miracles in Capernaum. Matter of fact, they're going to be held highly responsible for the things that they saw and they heard his teaching constantly and they saw many miracles. And it says here, he came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were amazed at his teaching. Teaching is the big word here. That's that's really the deal. This, you know, this, the demons are afraid. They're in terror of the preaching of the word, the word of God. You want demons to go preach the word of God? Well, they can distort God's message, but the preaching of the gospel. If people do not understand who Christ is and then they find out who He is, they don't want that Jesus. But then you have others who do want Him. And there's a good response here. They, the word for amazed, it means to be stunned. It means to be shocked. It means to be taken out of their minds. It means to be dazed. How about dumbfounded? That is what they are. They cannot believe what they just heard and felt and saw. I mean, they, they testify to this. I mean, they're amazed. They're astonished. This is wonderful. There never was a speaker like this. This is the same thing that happened in Nazareth. And you think, okay, the same thing is going to go on, but it doesn't. Did you know that this is the greatest mind that ever walked on this earth? This is the greatest mind who is able to grasp truth because He is the truth. And because He's the Word of God, and of course He was inspired, right? I mean, He is the inspiration. The, this language here, He has an ability of language to get it across to people. They're amazed at His authority. Astonished. The way He delivered His message was like nobody ever. It's the Gospel. What did he do everywhere he went? He preached. And he preached. He taught. He taught. He preached. He pre- that was really what he was really there to do. To bring the gospel to the, the poor, the blind, and on and on, right? To bring the gospel, the good news. By the way, he did healing to show who that who he really was, to prove it. But it's all about the Word of God. That's what we're about here. That is it. It's about the Gospel. The Gospel is really what it is. If somebody is not preaching the Gospel, if they're not expositing the Word, they need to get out of the pulpit And there needs to be somebody in there preaching the Gospel, preaching the Word, explaining what it means. That's what Jesus did. That's what the apostles did. That's what the early church did. And then it finally got away from it. And then the Reformation brought back the Word of God. The Reformation really started with the authority of the Word of God. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone. And that's really what Jesus 
did. It's about teaching. Now, I want to tell you, in, in a lot in the modern church, they will have all sorts of different ways to make you feel better. They will have all sorts of ways to maybe make your income get better, get better jobs. They can help you with having relationships with people. By the way, some of those things are principles that are in the Word of God. It's not that, But that's not the focus, is it? But a lot of people like the idea of walking out of church and they feel so much better. Didn't get anything about the Gospel. Really nothing about Jesus. But they feel better because here's how I can do this. It's real practical stuff. And truly, the Word of God is to bring practice. But practice can only come from doctrine or preaching the Word. Jesus didn't come in there to make them feel better. He already already got an example of that when He was back home in Nazareth. He didn't make them feel better. He made them feel worse. They didn't like it, so what did they want to do? They tried to kill Him. Early on in His ministry. But every church should have the authority of the Word of God. That's what we do here. I'm not bragging. I'm not saying, hey, all the other churches are wrong. I'm not saying that. But if they're not preaching the Word of God, I will say they are wrong. Okay? Can I get away with that? And that's not lifting myself up because I know how, you know, I'm not really adequate to bring this to you. And so here we are. And, uh, but I will say, that the authority is coming from here. It comes from this pulpit because of this. You're not going to get a story on Dennis, are you? And so I want to tell you that I still feel that we're, we're very blessed. We've lost a lot of people, folks. And I'm not so sure why. It's, there's a lot of reasons. You know, I could name them one by one, one after another. Some are mysteries. But it's not about how many. never has been. It is about, though, this. We want to continue to preach this. And if it means that nobody's here, then I guess we won't be here. We'll be praying for the ones who are having spiritual battles. They'd come back and join us because they need to hear the preaching of the Word. You know what? You know how blessed we are to have a Bible in front of us and just to read it, but then to hear it being taught and doing it expositorily? I couldn't do that by myself without help of teachers that I've heard down through the years. And you know, just hearing it over and over and, and studying, working hard at it, this is where it's at and I can't change. I don't want to change. But I know some other people are turned off by this message after a while because it doesn't seem very loving sometimes. But I do try to bring in encouragement. and Because that's there too. That's part of the Gospel. And that is good news. And if I don't bring that in, then I'm, I'm uh, cheating us too. So I try to keep it balanced. Sometimes I have to check and double check myself and really think. Pray for your pastor because there are days when uh, I go, where's, 
where's everybody at? And I start to thinking, I think they're tired of me. I think I'm not giving them what they need. All of a sudden, the enemy really can beat me down. We all need prayer. I need prayer. But I will say, the Lord has put it on me here in this, just reading this verse here, to teach His message with authority. It's Jesus that's behind it. Thank you guys for your, your praying. Stay in it. Thank you guys for staying in the Word of God because that's where it's at. If we're not in it all throughout the week, you're going to get beat up. I'm going to get beat up. And um, that's not what we want. The enemy has made his way here. And I think he's actually taken a few out. We want to bring them back. And if it's me, then so be it. Then the, the Lord will do what He's going to do. At the same time, the Word of God. Now, we go into the purpose of God. I do want to tell you, the force of the Word here is so powerful and so much with authority, it hit a demon. <laughs> it hit a demon with force. They were amazed at His teaching, for His message was with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon. He cried out with a loud voice, let us alone. I'm not going to shout that again. (laughs) You know why Jesus came here? And we know there are a lot of reasons why He came here. We know that. But if you turn to 1 John 3.8, 1 John, the epistle 1 John 3, verse 8 we will see a specific reason why He came here. We're going to do verse 8 and verse 9. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Here we go. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. What purpose? To destroy the works of the devil. That's why He came here. To do what? To destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin. That means a Christian does not practice sin. Did you know that? Show me a a Christian who practices sin all the time and I'll show you one who's faking it. He's not a Christian. He says the one who practices it continually, that is his habit. That's his nature. Because his seed, uh, no one is born, born, uh, because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin. If you're a Christian, because he is born of God, that means we do not practice that. We're born of God. There has been a new birth. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. John really hits on it there. Do you know what? We have to love our brothers, sisters. Who is my brother? Who is my neighbor? Everybody. The works of the devil. That's why he came here. In order to save sinners, he came here to destroy all the devilish efforts. He has to do this. He has to come and set the captives free. Preach the gospel to the poor. Set the captives free. Right? We've already seen that. We view all the sinners like in a fortress. 
They're in a great prison. Prison is fortified. It's guarded. It's guarded by demons of Satan. In order to go free, there has to be someone to come and lead them the captivity out of that bondage. You have to be able to overpower the guards that are there. Or in this case, the demons. The kingdom of darkness. That's so where you have to see it. There's the kingdom of light that we live in. There's a kingdom of darkness out there. Jesus penetrated that kingdom of darkness. That's all the host of fallen angels. They're known as demons. In Luke 4, it says, Let us alone. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Why did that demon say that? Have you come to destroy us? Because the demon knew that that's what Jesus is going to do one of these days. Jesus is now on the scene. He's come to earth. And the demon has just recognized the power of the Word of God. It had been read. It had been preached by Jesus like nobody. And the demon knows this is Jesus. This is the Holy One. Do you think he's in terror? I do. I think he's gripped by fear. Is this the time you're going to destroy us? The word there for destroy means it's luo in the Greek. It means to loosen. It means to disconnect. It means to undo, unravel. We think of destroy, it means boom, that's it, and all the elements just disappear and that's it. No, see... Where are the demons and Satan going to wind up at? The lake of fire. For a thousand years? Eternal. Eternity. Look in Luke 8.28, further on in, in the, this Gospel. 28-31. through 31. Remember the demons... Tons of them are in the pigs. Do you remember that? That's where we're at here. Seeing Jesus, He cried out and fell before Him, said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus? What is it that me and you have in common here? Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. Scared to death. This is our Jesus, folks. This is the same Jesus who lives in us. For He had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had seized Him many times and He was bound with chains as man was, shackles and kept under guard and yet He would break His bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus asked Him, What is your name? And He said, Legion. For many demons had entered Him. They were imploring Him not to command them to go away into the abyss. There's going to be a time... Actually, there are angels that did some kind of sin that was so so wicked and evil that they were put into Tartarus. A holding pit for them that they, they're not even allowed to roam the earth and the heavens. The rest of the demons are doing that now. 
But they're saying, don't throw us into the abyss of where you know the other demons went. Of course, ultimately, the lake of fire. Look in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. This is the story of what happens to demons. I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and great and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it, sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. And after these things, he must be released for a short time. What do you have there? There's going to be a time where they are thrown into the abyss. It's not the lake of fire, but it's the abyss where other demons have been put. Then Satan and all of his minions at this time period will be put into this abyss because it says they will be released There will be a time whenever the nations will not be deceived. And then the thousand years are completed and then they're released for a short time to deceive again. But Jesus puts them all out and then you read further on about the judgment such then they're thrown into the lake of fire. So there's the abyss, there's a thousand years, there's the releasing and then there is the final judgment. It's like a jail, holding place. Just like unbelievers are in a holding place right now. They're in jail. They will be later thrown into the prison for eternity. So, they know their future. They know the Word of God. They believe in Jesus. Only they'll never be forgiven. We are people who had the opportunity to be forgiven for a lifetime, for eternity. Destroying the works of the agents of the devil. That is why Jesus is here. There's a wicked force of evil spirits. They really are out there. They're the underlying basis of the things that are going on. They use mankind to do the evil, wicked things that are happening. They are not seen. They are spirit beings. They're in rebellion. Of course, their home was heaven. They served God. They worshipped God. Just like Satan did, he was probably the number one praiser and worshiper of God, the leader of that worship. And he rebelled, became prideful, became evil. Never a chance to regain the position that he had. His name is Lucifer, a light bearer, known as Satan the devil today. And he led one third of those demons out with him. That leaves two-thirds that are there. I think they're highly outnumbered. I think I know who wins. We're talking about the demonic world. You know what we're talking about? Satan hates it when we talk about this kind of truth. Because we're just giving God's truth. He hates it any time we open this Bible up and read it. He hates it when we get together. And I really believe that. We've gone through some thick and thin. We're going through some thin, thin, thin right now in our in our uh, church. Do you know what? God 
is powerful. It's His church. It's His Word that is preached here. He does honor the preaching of the Word. Have you seen a change in your life down through the years because of reading the Word of God, the Spirit of God, because of the teaching, not only here but on the radio and some of the famous pastors, preachers that are out there that are, that are writers that are very helpful to us? Thank the Lord. They number in millions. Matter of fact, there are myriads of angels. Myriads of angels. Myriads. Millions. Thousands. Millions. And those angels are praising God. Right? They're reigning praise. (laughs) Got that middle name in there. Eternal. Angels are eternal. Mankind is meant to be eternal. Wow, it's a long time, isn't it? It's forever. Tormenting forever is what's going to happen to these demons. Cannot be redeemed, cannot be forgiven, they cannot repent. They are forever wicked. That's who Jesus is encountering here in Capernaum. You look at the world, what do you see? You see evil. You see the depth, the height, the length, the breadth of it all. And the evil in the world is there. And the human depravity is there. But this complex system of wickedness is based upon the supernatural demons. Give you a few scripture here about the whole of humanity is in the grip of the force of evil spirits. Everybody who is not a Christian belongs to the demons and Satan. Did you get that? See, they're in the kingdom of darkness and they belong. They're slaves of wickedness. Turn to John 8:44. You are of your father the devil, Jesus speaks. Well, he said some nice, kind words, didn't he? You're the father the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. That's by nature. These are the religious people he's speaking to. He was a murderer from the beginning. It does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God, hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. That's the reason. They don't want the Word of God. They don't want to hear it. don't want to read it. They're not His. They belong to Satan. Unless God opens them up to His truth. All the unconverted are the children of the devil. I just said something there that's not too nice. But Jesus said that, didn't He? 1 John 5.19 The epistle of 1 John 5.19 
we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one or the lap of the evil one. That is where they are. They belong to Satan, the demons. The power. They lie in that power. Ephesians 2 says that they're all children of wrath. They're under the influence of the spirit of disobedience. Who's that? Who works in them. 2 Corinthians 4 says the God of this world has blinded their minds so that they cannot understand the Gospel. That's what Satan and the demons do. They blind people of the Gospel so they can't understand it. It has no meaning to them. All it is is something maybe they've heard of, but it really doesn't penetrate the heart. So, the demons use people to affect the purpose. They don't want to show themselves. They don't want to surface. They don't want to manifest to who they really are. They're angels of light throughout your whole lifetime. You may not have ever seen a demon manifest. There have been a few, but it's few and far between, isn't it? We, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying it is very unlikely, especially in this nation, but one day you might see more of that. I think in a lot of, but I mean, where a demon just manifests like what Jesus encountered. I know in certain nations, and Haiti and other nations like that, uh, there are more manifestations going on in places like that, uh, whether it be voodoo and the worship of Satan and such. But normally they don't really have to show themselves. They don't want to show themselves. They don't need to. It's really not their nature. But it wasn't rare during the time of Jesus. This demonic possession was not rare at all. Matter of fact, it was very heavy. Because we see it throughout the Gospels, Jesus constantly casting out demons. It had to be an incredible time that they were living in, the people, the darkness that was there. Anyway, you look in the Old Testament and you have to really search for a demonic possession there. You might see a little bit in Samuel and Kings. It's not so heavily pronounced there. Uh, but it's especially happening during the time of Jesus. And it's almost like he's brought in all of his minions that have been spread out all over the world. It's almost like he brings all of them, or most of them, into this area, into this one place in the world because Jesus is here. Now, Satan is not omnipresent. The demons are not omnipresent. It's not like they can be at this place and be at another place at the same time. Only God can do that. That's His attribute. But they can move quite rapidly as they are spirit beings. But it's like Satan brought them all into this area and unleashed this wickedness and this evil. And they would come in and with their power possess certain people. And, of course, the preaching comes. This is where they're really fearful. 
this happens to be Jesus here, they're in sure terror. They expose themselves here. Maybe there's sheer trauma that is happening, but the point of this miracle is to demonstrate to the people there that Jesus has power. It's power over the kingdom of darkness because that's the kingdom that He came into. It was all dark. And you remember that Jesus is God and He threw Satan out of heaven. Right? He threw the demons out of heaven. I believe He can certainly throw a demon out of a man. If He could throw all of them out of heaven, He can certainly take this demon and get him out with no problem at all. That's amazing power though to us. If we're going to believe that He can deliver us or people out of the kingdom of darkness, if He can deliver us from sin and out of the bondage and death and hell and Satan and take us out of this kingdom of darkness, we have to have a God like this, a Jesus like this to come in and do this because we were held in the bondage of Satan. And He took us out of that, folks. What an amazing power. You know how He did it? He spoke the Word of God. And for the first time, we could believe it for what it really was, for who Jesus was and is, and, and to believe that Gospel. So He had to demonstrate this, and He demonstrated it all the way through His uh, walk here on earth uh, in His ministry. And He brought people out of darkness. That was what was most important. If Jesus is the Messiah, He is the one who has to plunder the kingdom of darkness. He does it. People see it. He's the strong man. Or or the story of the of the strong man. He went into the strong man's house, right? Strong man is who? Satan. Jesus is much stronger than the strong man. He's to take all his goods. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he came here. What did he come here to do? To destroy the works of the devil. He came into the house. He came into the kingdom of darkness marched in there and he destroys the works of the devil. You know what he did? He tied Satan up. He plundered his goods. And of course, all this is fulfilled on the cross, but he was doing it as he was here. What are his goods? Souls of men. That's what he took. He took the goods. The ones who were held captive. Jesus can do it. He did it. Continues to do it. Are you a witness of Him? He did it to you too. He has total power over demons. They didn't have a chance in this world, in this kingdom of darkness, to stop Him. He did what He was going to do. And so you know what Luke starts his miracles with? This right here. Is this his first miracle? No. What's his first miracle? He turned water into wine at Cana. If people say, well, Jesus did miracles whenever he was a teenager, you know, he did this thing with the dove, and you know, those are in those so called lost gospels. Don't pay attention to it because the Word of God, the Word of God says 
He did His first miracle, John 2, turning the water into wine. So therefore, and that was whenever His ministry was right at its start there. So, uh, they're wrong. I'm not going to listen to anything they have to say. The Word of God, folks, that's how we interpret. That's how we see what's true, what's not. That's what we're here about, isn't it? So, power over the kingdom of darkness. Number three, demons are scared of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, not only the Word of God that was preached there, right? And the purpose of God. We've seen that. What is His purpose? To come and destroy the works of the devil. They know the purpose. And so now, Jesus of Nazareth is one that they're scared of. You know what? They've been in the midst of His teaching. It's going to make them, or Him, this demon, just come on out. He's there. Probably doesn't recognize Jesus till Jesus preaches. And He rudely interrupts, I believe, because Jesus here is teaching in the synagogue. It says here in chapter 4, right? Verse 4. He's reading the Word. He's preaching it. And all of a sudden you have this unclean demon and he cried out with a loud voice. A while ago I did that louder and, and I just thought, boy, the guy's in the room in there. Did you guys happen to hear that? You probably wondered, what is going on? Because I'm not usually one who yells, right? But I, can you imagine? Uh, this is crying out and it's loud. I mean, two extremities. In a synagogue, he's preaching, and all of a sudden you hear this noise. And coming out of, of this man, you know, who knows what it sounds like. It could be gravelly. It just, whatever it is, this is what is said. And. Scared of that. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us, right? We've talked about that. The satanic, the demonic evil of this man is controlled by the demon. That probably would have been very frightening to the people in the synagogue. Would you think maybe that? I think there's probably chills going down some of their backs. What is going to happen here? What are you going to do, Jesus? <laughs> is he speaking to the people? And there's there's chaos, there's confusion that's happening now, and he's going to demonstrate the very power of God's words that he has spoken. And remember, Jesus at Nazareth had been put out of the synagogue. Now he's going to put a demon out of a man and out of the synagogue. The demon so fully controlled this man that the voice was the demons as well as you know the very, very spirit of it. The man was just overshadowed by this demon. He wanted the man's body. Now, it's interesting. As dominant as this demon is, it's just like he just melts. We can learn a lot about demons here. The demon is unclean, right? There's nothing clean about these demons. He's wicked. He's evil. Being presented out there in this way, there is terror in him. There's terror by the people. But he is in the presence 
of the ultimate perfect one. He's ultimately evil, but he's in the presence of ultimate holiness. He recognizes it. The demon is loud, he's disruptive, has this loud voice, he's... This is perplexing. Have you come to destroy us? See, they don't know when that's going to be. Even Jesus, whenever He was walking here on earth, didn't know when He was going to come back and in His humanity there. But have you come to destroy us? Is this the time? Scared to death. Well, it's not the time that they're going to be loosened to unravel. It's not that time. Even though he doesn't have the chronology down. Is this it? Have you come to luo? To destroy? He's expecting it. They lived in fear of that. They know the plan. Demons know who Jesus is. Jesus is holy. He has... Authority. Look back in Luke one thirty one. You have the angel here speaking to Mary, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. He shall name his name him Jesus. He will be great. He should be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. You see the Holy Spirit. You see the Most High Holy God. You you have the Holy Child. Jesus is holy. thing is, demons know that Jesus is holy. The problem is, is that human beings don't understand the holiness of Christ. James 2.19 suggests that demons have knowledge about God, but they cannot respond to that knowledge. And here's a case of evil here, having a great angst. Because the presence of holiness is right there in front of him. Active righteousness versus wickedness. Who do you think is going to win? It's no contest. Evil cannot stand up against righteousness. Did you hear that? Folks, if you are Christ and you are righteous, that is, you're righteous because of Christ, evil cannot stand up against you. you might, and you might even be able to, to even say it with your, with your words sometimes. Sometimes maybe not, is, not that time is the time to speak. But it may be. Whether they accept it or not, it still doesn't matter. The thing is that holiness and righteousness can stand. It will stand. It takes a firm stand, doesn't it? Any victory that evil seems like it is having, and man, if you look at it with our eyes and our ears, it seems like evil is winning. Uh, don't believe it for a moment, folks. Evil is not winning. We are to confront it. Keep doing that. 
people are wrong in their thoughts and their thinking, and it's because the reason they're wrong in their thoughts and their thinking, it's not because we are more intelligent than them, but it's because they do not know what the Word of God says. There's a worldview, and then there is the godly view. Here's what God says. The world doesn't believe in God. They do whatever they want to do. So, the holiness of God. Right there. Luke 4.41 Later on. Demons also were coming out of many shouting. This is demons, plural. You are the Son of God. But rebuking them, He would not allow them to speak because they knew Him to be the Christ, the Messiah. They know it. They recognize it as they have been taking possession of people and then He comes to their town. He comes to that synagogue. Luke 8.28 we read earlier. We'll read it again here. Seeing Jesus, He cried out, fell before Him, said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? The Most High God. The reason Jesus silenced this demon was because, and you think, oh, well, hey, at least He's saying He's the Son of God. You know, He's the Son of the Most High. He's the Holy One and whatever. The last source of promotion that Jesus needs <laughs> is a demonic, wicked, evil person saying that he's, He doesn't need that. Paul ran into that kind of thing too, didn't he? Had a lady behind him, young woman, and uh, of course she kept saying the same kind of thing. And of course Paul, it was, it was bothering him. And finally, you know, he told her, be quiet, get away, stop. Did that for quite some time. Jesus doesn't need help here of who He is. and It's like Stephen's yelling in there. Jesus just says, silence. Shut up. God doesn't need your publicity coming from the kingdom of darkness. It just confuses the issue. I want to tell you something else. Demons are afraid of Christ. That's what we're on our point here. But that means really, did you know that they're afraid of you? Now I know you're thinking, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have nowhere near the power that that an enemy uh, enemy Satan would have or or any demons. Well, that's true. Yeah, we you know we're flesh and blood. uh, They're spirit. Don't even think about taking them on. Though we have to be reminded who lives in us. Jesus lives in us. If they're afraid of Jesus, Jesus owns us now. If I may, can I say He possesses us? You don't need to go around fearing demons. You don't need to go around fearing Satan and what He's doing in this world. Colossians 1.13 says this, God delivered us from the domain of darkness and took us out of there, transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. He came into, what is it? This world that is in bondage. It's the kingdom of darkness. He came in, exploded on the scene, and He took all that are His out of that kingdom and put them into the kingdom of light. There we go. 
we are more than conquerors in Christ. Romans 8. We triumph in Christ. 1 John 2.13 says we have overcome the wicked one. Did you hear that? We have overcome the wicked one. You know what 1 John 4.4 says? Everybody knows this. Greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. Who's in the world? Who's running the world? Satan. Demons. Greater is he who's in you. Understatement, isn't it? Who's in us? God. God resides here. God is in the soul of man if we trusted Him. Isn't that amazing? The very last one, we're going to close with this. It's pretty quick. It's right at the end of my page. It's like a third of page left. <laughs> the power of God. They're afraid of the power of God. What's going to happen? What's He going to do? Is He going to throw me into the abyss? What, what is he going to, what's He going to do with me? I know He's going to take me out of this body. Back to our Luke 4. I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, Be quiet. Come out of him. The demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people. Isn't that something? We had to get one last little shot in it. Okay, watch it. Okay. Kind of knocks him down. But he came out of him without doing him any harm. And amazement came upon them all. They began talking with one another saying, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And the report about him was spreading into every locality in the surrounding district. There's no incantations. There's no manipulations here. There's no dialogue. There's no discussion. There's no binding. There's no loosing. There, there's just nothing there. He just says, shut up. Get out of the man. <laughs> Boom. He got out of there. Just like that. Demon says, ah, what's this? Knock the guy. That's how evil and wicked they are. Please don't send us out of this country. Don't send us into the abyss. Don't send us to the pit. We already checked that out, right? We looked at those verses. The defiance of the demon. What chance did he have? Zippo. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they're powerful. And all the things they're doing in the kingdom of darkness, but that's their world. They're not powerful to us, are they? Christ lives in us. Christ in you. Last thing here is talking about this this power. It, it was put on display. And the people are just amazed. They were already amazed at His speaking and now they're really amazed because of what He just did. I want to tell you, there, has, there, have, there were multiple, 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 who knows how many hundreds of possessions there were in the nation of Israel at that time. And they never saw any of this. Nobody was casting out any demons. Not... Not like this, no. What is this word? Wow! What is it that he speaks that the demon comes out? He didn't even have to go over there and start operating on the, on the guy, you know, and you know, sit, lay down, you know, and start throwing him around or whatever. And, you know, I just said, "Come out." That's authority in the word of God, isn't it? Amen. He spoke; it came out. That's authority. That's power. They say. It's in this message, this word, for with authority and power He commands the unclean spirit. We haven't seen anything like this. This is impossible. This is a supernatural thing. That's right. This is supernatural.
This is not normal. What just happened? It has to be God. This has to be the Messiah. What kind of power else? How could He have done this? What is this word? Jesus has come into the kingdom of darkness. He's plundered the kingdom of darkness. He's stolen the goods of the strong man. He rescued us. He took us out. He smashed the fortresses. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Remember that? The fortress. Of course, we are to smash fortresses down the high lofty thoughts and speculations that the world has. And we're to come in there with what? The Word of God. Here's the truth. Boom! It starts chipping away and knocking down those fortresses. And of course, Jesus came into this fortress, this dominion of darkness with all the power that He had, and He delivered victory, and He delivers His people out of there. Into the kingdom of the Son. He demonstrated that He could do it. He demonstrates it over and over throughout the Gospels. This is not going to be the first time that we're going to talk about this, but there are other things that He did too. Can He deliver us from the kingdom of darkness? Well, if we're Christians, He already did it. Can He? Absolutely. That's how powerful He is. Does He have power over Satan? No contest. Complete deliverance. That's our Jesus Christ. I want the powerful Jesus, not the weak Jesus that's being presented where He's just your good little buddy. He's the Holy One of God. The demons believe that He's the Holy One. And so, do we want His power to work through us? Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for exhibiting the power of God in just one of so many ways that You demonstrate throughout Your truth. Thank You this morning as we have visited the very presence of You in Your kingdom and as we are always in the light, You are always wanting to give us light, truth, and we know it's not a thing that the world wants And may, Lord, that light penetrate through our little bitty flashlights, through our match that we have, and we know that just a little bit of light can penetrate the darkest of dark. Thank You for giving us Your Word, which is truth, and Your Holy Spirit. We have everything we need to live in this life of godliness and to present it to the lost in a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, Amen.